Why did you do it, Daryl? Why did you drill the hole? Too much pressure. Too some pressure. You wanted to let the pressure out. You wanted to let something out of your head? You wanted to let something out of your head. Uh, what? People. Old people. What's that you put over the hole? It's a door. Put an eye on the door so they won't know it's a door and they can't get back in because they'll get the eye, you know. Welcome to Blood and Black Rum Podcast Halloween 2022 Special. This year we're craving some Cronenberg. We're bringing you Wes Craven and David Cronenberg movies all Halloween season from September to October 31st. Experience the visceral thrills with movies like A Nightmare on Elm Street, Rabbit, Last House on the Left, and more. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Um, we're doing well. Um... We're, what, a couple weeks into September now? A few weeks? No, we're not. We're, we're already halfway through our Halloween special. Uh, pretty much. Yeah, we've we're been we've been cruising right through here. Uh, doing the, churning out the content. Oh, I was going to say, that's the perfect opportunity for a cruising USA joke. Hmm. Choose your car! I've been cruising. It's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of scary to think that we're already almost through September. It's been flying by feel like it was just yesterday that we started so uh this uh crazy uh craving some cronenberg month um so last time we did a craven movie so of course it's it's time to switch back switch gears for a cronenberg movie and um it's it's weird because with craven we kind of we started at like his 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 most um popular film or, or arguably one of his most popular films. I mean, I guess you could argue Scream is his more popular film. It's, I don't, not, not for me to say. Um, <laughs> but uh, we started at one of his most popular films, and then we kind of backtracked and we went to his earliest film, for his directorial debut. With Cronenberg, we've kind of been starting um, in his early years and kind of working chronologically almost. Uh, I don't know why I chose to do it that way, but it just happened to... Uh, happened to occur like that um so last time when we did a Cronenberg movie we did rabid and martin was not so rabid about the film <laughs> and uh so now we're going to move on to a different Cronenberg movie that happened um that came out uh just a couple years few years after um shivers uh right in between the time period of shivers yeah. rabid and the brood um, they all kind of came out in like one year, two year time span. Shivers in 1975, Rabbit in 1977, two years between them. Then um, uh, after that, he had like a couple movies that came out in the same time frame. Um, for for our purposes, we're gonna you know go to The Brood, which was from 1979, one of the Cronenberg's uh, really popular movies, especially uh, considering its subject matter. Uh, and actually, that kind of leads us to Scanners, too, because The Brood was um, very much about pregnancy. And with Scanners in 1981, Cronenberg um, was still kind of thinking about the concept of pregnancy and the lasting impact that things can have on pregnancy. Uh, you know, and The Brood was a little bit more about 
um, the the effects of pregnancy on the mother, the change that occurs in the human body um, during pregnancy, and how that can be a lasting element to your life. Like you're one, you're before pregnancy, you're one person. After pregnancy, you may be someone completely different because you went through an entire bodily change. So it's almost like an evolution of sorts. With scanners, we're not so much as uh, concentrating on the elements of the human body with pregnancy, but the impact that um, the societal elements can have on pregnancy. And that really only comes out towards the end of the movie. Um, but what we also get is what's going to kind of lead us later on towards Cronenberg's um, work on um, the dead zone, which is telepathy. And, uh, you know, being able to uh, see into the mind of another person. Um, so have you ever, have you seen Scanners before? No. No? But First time. I, but I know of it. Mm-hmm. And based, the kind of basic gist about it. And just like most people, I've already seen that head explosion a million times. Sure. You're right. Right. Because now... The head explosion has kind of become like the key element that you think of when you think scanners. And it's kind of funny, too, because in scanner, it is, it's been a really long time since I've seen scanners. I, I would say probably like 20 years long. I, I don't when I was watching this movie, I remember like bits and pieces of it. But I really nothing stood out to me as like, oh, yeah, I definitely remember that scene or I remember this happening. I did not clearly remember it at all. So it's been a really long time. Um, but what struck me watching it now is that. That scene, the head explosion scene, happens like very early on in the movie, and it's like it's not even really like a, you know, like a big part of the movie. It certainly is an inciting part of the movie uh, in the plot, but it's not like a huge part where it's, you're like leading up like throughout the movie to get to this scene. No, it it happens super early, um, which I thought was really interesting because you know it's a it's a thing that people really think about, but not necessarily something that is huge in the movie. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a movie thing that just happens real quick, and then you're on to the mm-hmm. next thing. Which is funny thinking about it because, like, you're like after you see that, you're like, we're gonna be in for a fucking gory romp. Nope, no, you're not. You're not. And you know, I, <laughs> we have to talk too about what probably influenced why Scanners was such a you know a, not it's not just because of Cronenberg, but why it was so popular. Uh, especially with this head explosion scene, because uh, it did get a lot of um, publicity from Fangoria at the time in their 1981 issue, um, they, where they covered scanners and they covered specifically the exploding head scene. And so I think part of the appeal of where that you know where people started to say like, oh, scanners, that looks like a really interesting movie to me. Uh, I'm really excited about that is they saw Fangoria. They saw this expose on the, like the exploding head and stuff. And they're like, I've got to see that movie, which is where, you know, it's interesting. Uh, back in the day, you had magazines like Fangoria that really, you know, there was no internet. So you had just Fangoria, which would do the, your publicity and time it just right. You know, get, get specific details in Fangoria about like what might influence, might um, in- attract your, your audience and you have a hit on your hands because of that. And I think that part that is partially what happened with scanners that really kind of bolstered the um, you know, the audience interaction with it because they saw this exploding head scene and they just had to see it. 
which I think is, you know, it's it's a cool little thing that, you know, kind of put scanners on the map. I don't, I don't know that it, you know, wouldn't be on the map otherwise, but what do you feel, how do you feel about it? Like, do you think, besides the exploding head scene, do you think Scanners is a movie that really appeals to, like, more of a mass market, um, as opposed to something like The Fly, which had, you know, a pretty big cast and a larger budget and you know obviously Cronenberg was more ingrained in um audiences at the time like is Scanners a a film that seems like it would have like a mass appeal no no (laughs) I not not at all I think uh as interesting as the concept is it still has that Cronenberg touch of coldness all around and it's, uh, it, there's I wouldn't see the marketed appeal in this outside of people who are looking for like a science fiction horror film, mm-hmm. and but not one to be mass marketed because like again like I said it's very just like Rabbit and one of the issues I had with Rabbit throughout was very much everyone sitting there like they're living in an igloo like oh no there seems to be something going on out here. Yeah, there's problems, eh? How's that, LeBat? Oh, it's fine. <laughs> Let's go deal with this moose over there. Have you seen the Winnipeg Jets of late? Doing mighty fine. That Gretzky's pretty good. It's not as bad in this, that's for sure, as compared to Rabbit, but, I mean, it's still it's still noticeable. and Because everyone is, for better or worse, that is in this film, is, like, just has the personality of, uh, pine two by four that has, doesn't even have any lacquer on it or anything you know? mm-hmm. so it's just yeah i mean i think it's you know it is a movie that probably wouldn't have mass appeal besides that and it is you know like i said since that that part of the movie takes place really early on um the rest of the movie is not extremely um graphic or uh gratuitous you know it does have sequences towards the end that really get into cronenberg's body horror um, but it's not like the film is like a constant wham bam. You get a whole bunch of you know gory special effects. It is actually a, a pretty plodding slow burn film. Um, you, it has a pretty discordant soundtrack that probably I feel like would not attract many viewers. Um, you know, pretty occasionally it, it features like almost like a noisy soundtrack to it. Um, and so I don't really see that it, this has like a huge amount of public appeal. But, you know, with the help of Fangoria and the help of good special effects, I think that kind of um, transcended the usual, like, genre issues that you have with horror movies. Um, so we'll talk about all that as we get into the, the film proper and, and uh, the plot and all that. But first, let's take a break and let's talk about some beer that we have on the show. What do we got on the show? Got beer. We got beer. Got beer. Actually, Oof. last week I had talked about it, right? I talked. Yeah. I, we, we did an Oktoberfest last week, and I had said I've been watching this one beer aficionado's TikToks, and I th- he he specifically went over Sam Adams Oktoberfest, and somebody had commented and were like, uh, you know, I, I feel uh, I feel like you know I I'm drinking I'm just something cheap, but I'm getting I like Sam Adams Oktoberfest, and it's one of my favorite Oktoberfests. And he's like, you don't have to feel bad about drinking Sam Adams Oktoberfest. It's a High quality beer. They do a lot of good ales and lagers, and their Oktoberfest is one of them. It's perfectly, I don't get perfectly why, fine. I don't, I don't get why somebody would feel guilty over drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. 
Well, I think it's just because Sam's has become so, you know, they, Sam's now is in the craft beverage. It's, it's really only in, in like quotes only craft brewery. Um, or, you know, like an independent brewery. They're, they're a very large brewery at this point. Uh, they're mass marketed. They are across the globe. They. Well, I mean, no, I, I get that. But some things are still. They're still okay. Like, yeah. Half the, half the problem with Sam Adams is, you know, they've come too big. They've done. Focus too much on, like, truly seltzer. They own because they do own that, right? They tinker with their packaging and recipes and what they're releasing every year too much. Yep. But the Boston Lager is still great, and so is their Oktoberfest. You got nothing, nothing to fear, nothing to fear on that end. And I, I agree with that, and and I actually agree with this this guy's point as well. He said, you know what, you're drinking Oktoberfest, they make fine lagers and ales, don't worry about that. Uh, he said, I, you know what, I still am going to give them shit when they make a terrible hazy IPA or something, <laughs> like a very generic lazy IPA, because they have been doing that. They have been doing that a lot. They follow the trends quite a bit. Wicked! Try, and, wicked IPAs! Yeah, they what, try... What, ha- what happened to the... What were they, oh, the Rebels! What happened to the Rebels? You know, and they try to step outside of their boundaries... Uh, where they really don't belong and that's when you should give them shit for it but you know when they make a good beer like the Oktoberfest where they really don't need to mess with the recipe too much um, then go ahead by all means enjoy it and that's how I feel too that's how I feel about the Sam Adams Oktoberfest and a couple other beers too you know the Boston Lager perfectly acceptable brew very good um it's more than acceptable. It's a very fine Vienna lager. It's yep. delightful. I think their their Noble Pills is very good. I think... Um, I don't think they've done that in years. I know. So. Yeah. They haven't done that in years. And that's part of the problem is they're constantly reinventing certain things. Um, and I think that this, it's like unnecessary. And like this guy said, you know, they're stepping outside of their wheelhouse too much um, to try to like just capture all the trends. And I think that's that's hurting them a little bit. It's been a long time since we've had Porch Rocker, but that was also something that was, you know, delightful back mm-hmm. in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there, um, we have it on. We had it on here actually. The old Fezwig. It's always been a favorite of mine. I know it's something that I used to like it. Now I don't because it's too. Well, that's your own problem. I it's don't not the beer. The... It's not the brew. It's you. It's your taste. It's... I don't need the taste of a, uh, a Dickens Christmas Carol. <laughs> Figgy. I don't need to taste the fig and plum. It's like, oh, look. Taste the... Taste, you know, the garbage. <laughs> fun fun fact, though. A lot of people give Sam Summer Ale a bad rap because, you know, it's like the most blandest mm. wheat ale that you could ever have. True. Which is true. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten worse every year. You know what's a beer that doesn't get enough shit that's even worse than that that they put out every year? What's that? What's what's What would you say is worse... Their least delightful seasonal. Probably the winter ale. With the winter lager is garbage, yeah. and it's been garbage even back when Sam's was like a reputable brewer. People need to be more up in arms about that. Replace it with something else. We didn't need the Alpine lager and the Cold Snap replacing Noble Pills, but they did. They did, unfortunately. Make something different for your winter seasonal because the winter lager is fucking bollocks. <laughs> yeah. Uh so but 
so let's talk about the Oktoberfest right now. What do you think, since it's been a little bit since you've had their their Marsden-style Oktoberfest, what do you think about it? Well, it's definitely not the Oktoberfest that I used to know. Hmm. Um, it's still very good. I don't think it's as malty and bready as it used to be, because that was one of the uh, big things back in the day. Because this is one of our first, Oct- probably our first Oktoberfest that we had that, you know, got us hooked on loving Marsden styles uh, yep. between you and I. Um, it's still very good. It's still very crisp. It's still very, makes you feel warm and fuzzy, like you're getting ready to sit by the fire with your friends and tell some ghost stories at night. You know, the nice adult version of uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yep. But it's not as, like, bready and malty as I remember it being. Maybe it's because it's been, like, like five years since I've had one. Maybe it's because uh, the recipe's changed, like they've done. I don't know. It's still very good. But it's not anywhere. I wouldn't put it near the top tier of Oktoberfest uh, that I've had now. Still a very good brew. And I would, I would definitely go to it, you know. But it's not like I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, top tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the fact they spell Oktoberfest wrong is fucking infuriating, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it always will be. Take that C out. That's a K that belongs in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like it. I mean, it's bready. It's malty. Not as bready and malty as I remember it being. Still very crisp, very hearty, big body on it, smooth. It's it's delightful. It's what you'd want in like a, you know, Americanized Marzen, you know, that we look, that we both really like, you know, because, you know, our take on a Marzens usually tend to be, you know, a lot more bigger on the malts and the bread you know the brightness of it that give it that you know feeling of fall like you're taking a nice little bite into like some pumpernickel or something mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. i think that it's a pretty i think it's a pretty solid oktoberfest i think they've still it's still one of my favorites i think they still did a really good job with managing the malts um you know it still has like a very clean caramel maltiness to it that puts it uh squarely in the marzen style um you know so it has a you know much uh deeper richer character than what i would call a fest beer um i think you know again it's what we had called previously like you know a a taste of fall um and i still i still think that i think it's you know really solid all around um like solid basic distillation of an Oktoberfest is how I'll say it. Um, with that said, I, you know, I think that there are others out there that are doing the Oktoberfest style and they are maybe doing it a little bit more experimentally, maybe trying a little bit of something new with the characteristics. I think like you would call Sam Adams is playing it safe with this Oktoberfest, but I think it's still, you know, really solid all around Oktoberfest. And I don't know who any anybody would pass it up if you know if you were looking for an Oktoberfest I think it's perfectly acceptable so I don't know if that's a, a glowing review or not but it's a perfectly acceptable Oktoberfest and I think it's still a very very good beer alright 
So search out October. And actually, we, like we have the beers. We didn't. We're not talking about them right now. But um, they they have a new pack out, and the new pack has the Oktoberfest along with a fest beer, which I haven't tried yet. I'm gonna crack that open later on in the episode. Um, I'm doing it right now. Oh, you're cracking it right now. Um, which is we're probably not gonna cover it specifically, but they do have a, a Marzen and a fest beer, which I'm interested in because. To my knowledge, I don't think they've released a fest beer previously that I can think of. I don't know if this. I, think, I, I feel like this I think, is new. I think last. No, I think last year. Oh, okay, and that may be true because last year I don't. I never got Sam's Oktoberfest, so <laughs> just stayed away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I will. I will say. I will say without going into too much detail. I like the fest beer quite a bit. I like it quite a bit. Very good. It's good to hear. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about scanners. So, <clears throat> like you said, the first thing that we should probably point out is the fact that we have a name for people like the people in scanners, and they're called telepaths. I mean, when I say people, I mean like fictional people, but that's that's the term for them. But yet Cronenberg, in, in, in his universe, comes up with a new name for them, scanners. And I guess it makes sense because these telepaths aren't truly just people that can read minds. Like they literally scan the body. Uh, they're they're like a built-in like X-ray machine, <laughs> and they scan the body. They can manipulate other people's bodies because they connect the nervous system of one person to another. Or in the film's weird technology case, the nervous system of a person to the nervous system of a computer. <laughs> Um, because it, later on in the, the movie, they actually do which, go through say, like the circuits of a computer. Which, by the way, very 1970s, 1980s understanding of computer technology. Because mm, mm-hmm. if you remember back in the day when we were like first learning about computers, like the network system is a lot like your nervous system, you know. That, yeah, that it's, seems like... Awesome. It's, that seems like what they were thinking. doing. And and not only that, but like connecting like the telephone too, where I thought was like a pretty funny. I mean, it's still, t- t- we do still go through uh, telephone in some cases for our internet and computers, but uh, generally not as much anymore as since it goes through cable. And I, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, like with the whole telephone element too. I was like, I'll just, you know, towards the end of the movie, I'll just call up on the phone and I'll connect to the computer. <laughs> Uh, it was missing that 90s dial tone. Um, the other thing I really like, too, while we're on the subject of computers in the movie, is the, the lead, like, computer programmer who the the one guy that's um, part of the uh, the company and, like, he's actually, Comsec. like, a spy. Comsec. Um, yeah, what's his name? Um, uh, Keller, is it? Yeah, yes, Keller. Yeah. Um, he, he is, you know, he's got him by gunpoint he's with the computer and they're trying to like shut the computer down because they know that, um, Vale is going to try to infiltrate and like get information from the computer. Cause he's looking for this computer program. And, uh, Keller basically tells the, the computer programmer, he's like, you know, shut it down, stop it, whatever, do whatever you need to do. And he's like, puts in like a command. It just says like access, uh, ripe program. And, it gets denied, and he's like, well, that's that. Sorry, there's nothing else I can do. 
and Keller's like, try it again. And he literally just does it again. Access. Right program. Nope. It's, I guess that's as far as we're going to get. It's like, you, like the, didn't you like work on this program? <laughs> that's like all you fa- can do? I like the fallout terminal that they're on yeah. too. Like, you know, like, yeah. And you just have, no, when you can't, when you're almost about to burn all your password attempts, just back out and then get retried again. Yeah. Come on. I, I just, on. I just you found it funny. That. It's like this guy is probably <laughs> on the team that des- designed this program, and he just puts in one command and is like, nah, well, D- that's done it. all I can do. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> just one command. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny, but. Uh, we kind of we kind of got ahead of ourselves here. So so scanners, I think it has a really interesting opening because it opens with Vale, played by Stephen Lack, um, who is like you know looking like homeless Alice Cooper in um, Prince of Darkness, <laughs> and uh, you know he's he's going through like a mall food court and he sees a woman and uh, just randomly nicking fries like an asshole. Yeah, he seems pretty good at it, though. Like, honestly, he's just, like, nonchalantly, like, that, that's how you got to do it if you're going to actually steal food is, like, you got to make it look like, hey, this is my food. So you just sit down, like, like nothing's weird about it. You just grab the food, start sitting down like you've been eating it the whole time. No one will notice. This lady notices, well, though, and she's like, this, this is a disgusting man. Or, he doesn't well, even you really know, look that bad, to be honest <laughs> with you. No, he looks pretty good for an unkempt homeless man, mm-hmm. but... All I was thinking about when watching that scene is in the background, you're seeing an ad for Pogo's, which are like Canadian oh, oh, brand see uh, that. <clears throat> Canadian brand corn dogs. And But because it's such a big brand in Canada, that's what they call their corn, corn dogs, Pogo's. Oh. I learned that from a YouTube video before watching this, just randomly watching. So I can't remember how when I stumbled upon it, but that was like, oh, was like, oh yeah, the scene, like, there it is. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't even well, see that go. in the background. But, but it, anyways, it wouldn't have made – I wouldn't have recognized it anyway. So. Well, you'll have to ask your, our Canadian friend. and He'll be like, oh, yeah, I have that with my moose head. Yeah, yeah. While riding a beaver. And I love this lady, though. She's such a such a huge bitch for no reason. She's like, he's – No, looks, she's – Whoa, whoa, whoa. The no, disgusting no, no. man in front of me. No, she's right. Like, just fucking – this asshole is walking around the food court just pilfering random fries – not dunking them in any condiment or anything. Ketchup, mustard, horseradish, mayonnaise, depending, you know. Eating a half-eaten no, hot dog. Yeah. I, so, okay, so I can see her her um, concern in this regard. However, at the same time, it's like, clearly the guy is homeless. Give him a break. This food was left there. He's hungry. Listen, like, this give is, him a break. This is Reagan's time. The That's, true. Can- That's true. That's true. You don't get a break. In- I say though this is in Canada, but still, I imagine the sentiment was uh, the same. Yeah. You know, two hundred miles north of the border, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. That's, that's right. Get a job at Orange. Ju- that's what she's thinking. Get a job at Orange Julius, and then you can get your own goddamn fries. So disgusting. And I think it's funny too. Not fun. I guess not funny. I think it's interesting that uh, so you know he obviously he the, he is a scanner because this veil is our first encounter with him. And he scans this woman and basically makes her have like a, a seizure and um, everybody kind of goes to her. And obviously he's he's ailing too because when you do this scan, it actually takes, you know, part of – it takes a toll on your brain too um, for being a part of like that connection. 
But I, I, what I love, oh, I say, what I, sorry to interrupt, but what I love the most about that whole scanning thing, as she's freaking out and having a seizure, and everyone's looking at her and looking at him, no one's like noticing, like he's sitting there, like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, they don't really care. The only, the only people that care are the actual people that are coming from Consec, uh, <laughs> who, you know, who want to recognize get him what he's, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just funny because like the woman's having a seizure, which I get. Very important, but the fact that he's standing like five feet away, like, <gasps> yeah, bleeding like from the like, nose, and like he's trying to pass a kidney stone. Like, Sir, are you, are you are you passing a kidney stone right here? <laughs> are you all right? Like, you need help? <laughs> yeah, no, they totally ignore him. And I mean, you know, maybe that's part of it too. You know, because I that what I was getting at is I thought it was really interesting later on as, um, you know, Doctor Ruth takes um, Veil under his wing and kind of you know starts trying to. Um, facilitate his scanning powers uh he says you know this lady was looking at me and like i couldn't not look at her it was like because he was like the center of attention there was there's something about him and it that's you know the societal thing too about how most of these scanners become homeless people because they are different um and they they kind of are ostracized uh from society i thought that was you know an interesting element that comes out quickly early on before you really know what i feel like like what cronenberg's point to scanners is because for a long time in this movie there's not really like a theme or societal you know motif that's going on here besides the fact that we have an opposing sort of like army of scanners that has been recruited by revik who's played by michael ironside greatly of course um and you have like this this army that's like corporation against you know the 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 people the the um grassroots movement and that's you know that's your main theme and antagonism at those at the heart of scanners but as it goes along and as we get more information and kind of in an exposition dump at the the end of the movie we start to learn more about like what cronenberg is saying about corporations and um science research um, the use of people as uh, guinea pigs um, that kind of comes out later on. But I found it interesting that, you know, for a large portion of the movie, it's not really clear what Cronenberg is really trying to say. It's kind of more like a science fiction um, war that's going on other th- rather than anything else. Um, but what I was saying about the intro, too, and you kind of we, we talked about the intro, but I, what I find um kind of compelling about the intro is that we we meet with lack or lack's character veil and then he kind of goes away for a little bit as we get through the whole part of we see revic you know he's part of like the comsec um uh what, what are they doing like a like a televised event right they're like trying to televise and display no, what I... scanners can do I don't, think it's, I don't think it's televised. They're just trying to, because uh, they say after that incident that they're like a uh, bunch of VIPs, you know, from different companies and stuff trying to see, you know, the potential of scanners. Right. So I don't think it was televised. Maybe not. Know. Maybe not televised. But they did. They got a bunch of people together. Revik being one of them kind of infiltrated and uh, they were basically displaying what scanners can do. And... Revic actually this poor is David where, poor David Cross gets his head blown that's, off. That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, this that's where the, the head explosion comes into play because Revic, a very powerful scanner, has really been uh, the, basically the first scanner 
um, and has honed his skills over time, you know, he uses his, his powers to make the guy's head explode uh, in a great, you know, battle of s- telepathic connection. Um, and it, I, I, I think it's interesting that, like, Cronenberg switches away from Vale and goes to Revit because we don't really understand the duality between the two of them. And at that point, it's not really clear who the protagonist antagonist is. Um, so it, it takes the film a little while to get into, like, who's our protagonist for this movie. Well, I, I mean, it does, but at the same time, because we see Revic so few during this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's definitely... Which I think is also a great, great loss, too, is the fact that Michael Ironside does not have enough screen time in this film. Because he is one of the more charismatic and interesting characters in this film. The fact that, you know, we don't get after this, we don't really see him at all, except the fact that they keep talking about Revic's underground cell of scanners that's trying to uproot Comsac. It's very, you know... It's very, you know... That part is kind of disappointing. Because mm-hmm. I think the, the fact that we spend so much time with Lack... Which, because he is our protagonist, I think it would have been better to kind of see more of, like, Revic's development, too, to kind of understand him, and so you don't just get a monologue at the end of the film. Right, like I said, we do really get an exposition dump at the end, you know, because we, throughout the movie, we really don't know too much about Revic. We know that he's got his grassroots movement, he's uh, kind of, you know, basically trying to... um, do something with this drug that has been created for the uh, scanners and ultimately it's supposed to like quell the voices in their heads because as telepaths they it's not just like you look at a person and you you can tune in whether you want to hear their thoughts or not which everybody i think right like i think everybody kind of thinks if they were a telepath that would be really cool because you'd just be like is that guy think my clothes look stupid you know (laughs) something like that and then you'd look at them and then you'd hear their thoughts and you'd be like, that guy's clothes look stupid. Yeah. Um, but in this case, in scanners, it's not like that. Like you, you, you don't tune in to any one person. And if you're in the vicinity of a lot of people, you're hearing like a, just a jumbled mass of thoughts all the time. It's just like everybody which, talking over each other. Which I think that's where Ruth comes into play of trying to train Lack because I think the fact that he is so unfettered and his power... Which is also a great scene after, you know, they bring him into ComSec and they have all these people come in as he's tied down to the bed and they're all walking in and you hear people talking, but they're not actually talking. It's just their inner thoughts, like, you know, and we get to see, you know, Ruth looking at these people slowly meander up the steps and his lips don't move. He's like, hurry up! Right. Hurry up! Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and other people are like, oh, this place looks like shit. You know, like, oh, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, this place looks fucking weird. And then, you know, come to find out, it's, you know, he's just being bombarded with their thoughts because, you know, he, he doesn't know how to control reading other people's thoughts and he doesn't know how to, like, you know, cycle in and out of, like, you know, what to listen to and what not to listen to. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. I like that touch because, again, as you said, like, the idea of being a telepath, like, oh, it'd be so great, I could just get to read people's minds. And, like, here's a, ne- a, p- a potential negative that, you know, you could have if, you know, you had such power if you thought about it, you know, in a more realistic way. 
Right, right. I uh, I think that it's pretty interesting that, um, you know, they, they do go this route with the telepath uh, element to it. That's, you know, it's not not all happiness and fun to be a telepath. It's actually pretty terrible for the most part. People which, which generally choose not to have this. And that's kind of the, the idea behind the drug that they're giving is that, like, it quells those voices so they don't have to hear it. It's, it kind of concentrates that. Um at the same time, though, this drug that they're developing also turns people into scanners. And, um, like, they kind of go into the idea that Revic is actually manufacturing this to create an entire new army of scanners um, in pregnant people to basically help him overthrow whatever constructs in the society that there are so that, you know, the scanners can be powerful and, and take over and you know, remove people like Dr. Ruth from power because ultimately Dr. Ruth is the person who we find out developed this drug and then they marketed it towards pregnant women and then, you know, that's how Revic and Vale were created because they're actually brothers. Um, and they were, you know, this is kind of where Scanners gets into like a, a weird zone where it throws a lot of information at you at one time at the end of the movie. Um, you learn, like, right in the span of, like, five minutes, hey, Revic and Vale are brothers. Uh, Revic's been, you know, developing this and was uh, strategic in, in creating this uh, this army of pregnant women that he's d- that's distributing this drug to. Uh, and not only that, but Vale has been, like, frozen, you know, um, and it, it, because they actually were born in, like, 1940-something, and he was frozen and then brought out of his like cryogenic freezing um, to basically combat Revic. <laughs> it's it's all kind of like thrown at you in this in the scope of uh, of one really big info dump. And I feel like that's where Scanners kind of goes wrong um, because it is a movie that is pretty slowly paced. And I feel like it could have done a better job managing the exposition that it gives to you. Like we didn't need to all get it from Michael Ironside. I'm not complaining. You know, get, let Michael Ironside deliver some um, fantastic dialogue because he does have a great voice um, and a great mannerism in this movie. But I don't think it's, you know, it's suited for scanners to just throw it all at the audience at the end of the movie and just kind of like leave it at that. Like, yeah, um, didn't you know? We're cryogenically freezing people too. Um, the movie is science fiction, but at the same time, it's just kind of like comes out of left field. Um, what do you think of the later, like, introduction of, um, Jennifer O'Neill's character, Kim Obrist, who is kind of like another, uh, de facto leader of, uh, a group of scanners that are kind of like out to combat Revix people? Think she's necessary? Mm. Not necessary? I mean, it's like a nice counterpoint to see other scanners, you know, living in trying to live in peace. I don't think it's like more that she's trying to subvert Remick. I think it's more that they're just kind of on lamb trying to avoid them and you know, trying to peacefully coexist because, you know, they don't really have any plans of being, it seems, hostile towards anyone. So I'm fine with it because it offers that counterpoint. I think it comes way too late in the film though. Like we're like an hour into this hour and forty minute film before she, you know, she even shows up. 
And it's basically just seems like it's kind of there. Like, oh, look, we got a... We got woman. Can't forget about woman, seeing as half the story's about pregnancy issues. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, which I think it would be kind of, you know, silly. It'd be a mansplaining, <laughs> you know, uh, pregnancy issue film without if you didn't have any, you know, goddamn women in the film. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, no, she's fine. She, I mean, you know. I think the best part is when she does go into that doctor's office and we get that scene where mm-hmm. she starts bleeding from the nose. She's like, what the fuck's going on? Like I'm being scanned yeah, by, by who? And it's uh, the pregnant lady. <laughs> the pregnant lady, we get that close-up of the pregnant lady's belly, and it's like, you know, the, it's left to the viewer's imagination to just imagine the the unborn child in the womb, just like, you know, focusing their their thoughts on this uh, Kim. It, it's kind of a, a funny idea, but at the same time, it is really chilling, too, because it's pretty clear that with Cronenberg's... Um, you know, plot, he really meant this to be a, um, influenced by the, the whole, um, pregnancy issue in the 1960s, um, which was, um, thalidomide, which they used to treat morning sickness for pregnancy. And then they didn't really research it and they didn't, it was, you know, the FDA wasn't around saying, Hey, got some research to back that up um they just kind of like gave it out to pregnant women and then all of a sudden when those babies were born they were all mutated (laughs) and it's not funny but uh they they cause a lot of birth defects and mutations in children and um that's kind of where scanners comes from from the whole thalidomide issue of you know what happens when companies are just making drugs and giving them out to people and just distributing them at will. Cause in the United States too, we're like one of the weird countries, especially now where it's perfectly legal to have an advertisement for a drug that you literally cannot purchase unless you get it prescribed by a doctor. So here in the United States, we market to the public to say, Hey, go to your doctor and ask them for this medication well, specifically. Well, as I say, actually, uh, to kind of correct that, the FDA did say no further testing was needed, but because they already yeah. handed out uh, enough pills, sure, for during the trial run, <laughs> it became yeah, yeah. I mean, it it definitely was not it is not even as it wasn't as um, well regulated as it is now, too. You know, um, but it, it it's just it's a funny thing that we have this in the United States. Um, you know, even Cronenberg being Canadian, Canada does not market advertisements of drugs to people. Uh, you, you don't, you just don't have companies like Pfizer going on, putting an advertisement and say, Hey, ask your doctor about this medication. It's like, who are you to ask your doctor about this medication? Had the fucking doctor say, yeah, I think you're right for this medication. Um, that's pretty much how Canada f- feels about that. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, based on the thalidomide obviously goes in a little bit different direction but i do really think that it's interesting how Cronenberg, you know infuses the body horror element of like you know taking drugs and what that kind of what that can do to you or your unborn child or um you know you being a guinea pig um i think that's kind of what scanners is all about um one thing we haven't talked about we talked about it in rabid because it had a couple of these as well the explosions in scanners because it does have a, a 
couple of mighty fine explosions that occur here. Uh, Charles Bronson was looking on with pride. Very 80s explosion moments. (laughs) That car (laughs) explosion when they're driving away and they're like, what's going on here? Oh, they're passing us. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was As Michael Ironside's like controlling the one guy from another car, and the guy's just driving, speeding up, and the guy's pointing a gun at him. Well, you better stop, or I'll shoot. And then he just crashes into a garbage can. It <laughs> just, woo. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and not only that, but like, it, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of the uh, scene in, um, was it, is it Halloween 2? Halloween 2? Where the, you know, the, the kid is walking. They think it's Michael Myers on the street. And uh, a cop car comes speeding through, a th- like, you know, 30 mile per hour speed limit in the village. All of a sudden, uh, smashing into this kid that looks like Michael Myers and engulfing the whole thing in flames. That re- It really reminds me of that scene because that happens here, too. You know, they get engulfed in flames and then they, uh, two guys co- try to run and save the other people in the, the van. And they're like... No, you're not going to save that. They're literally engulfed in flames right now. You're not uh, not pulling anybody out of that wreck. So I, I, it's pretty funny to me, you know, especially in the '80s, how every car was just a uh, a waiting explosion. You know, you're just one crash away from becoming a fiery, explosive wreck in uh, the '80s. And then we have another explosive scene. Uh, later on towards the end of the film and this was this is after the uh, the computer uh, element uh, where they basically break into the computer system um, in, in this case uh, Vale is able to scan through the telephone wires into the computer system that has the right program information the right program being um, a, basically a list of doctors and patients that have been given this drug that create scanners and it just has all this list in this computer that they've been tracking um, to see who's been given the drug and what what doctors have uh, been given the drug to, to give out to people and so Vale breaks into this computer system and you know uh, this is when Keller is basically making them shut down the computer system and when they shut it down Keller's afraid of what's going to happen because Vale's in the computer system. So um, he doesn't know what happens when like a scanner is stuck in the program at the time that it shuts down. So he backs away from this computer area. And the one guy's like, yeah, it's kind of a quiet process. He's kind of a silent process. They just kind of shut down. And he's like, I don't know what happens when a scanner gets stuck in a program like that. And then later on, you know, after Vale is shutting down, um, they uh, basically say everything shuts down, and they're like, "Oh, see, told you, nothing, nothing happened." And then, bam, bam, explosions everywhere. <laughs> All the fucking computer equipment just starts exploding everywhere. Telephone lines are uh, catching fire, and basically took down the whole transcontinental telephone system. You know what? It's not even fail that took him out. It was the guy. The guy entered the wrong password, and that's what happens. <laughs> When you, you know, don't right, enter the right password on the second try, it, uh, the system fights back. And you know what, though? It's funny, too, with the, um, with the, like, the guy who has to go from one computer, he's, like, working on one computer, he, like, puts in the code, and he's like, I gotta go over to this other computer. And it's, like, a, just a switch, he's like, I gotta flip this switch, and then I'll shut it all down. Like, that's very 80s computer elements, so, like... I can't do it on just this computer. There's like three computers that I've got to go 
interact with in order to shut this thing down. Well, we constantly get to see the tape like whirling in the background the entire time, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did. I, the whole like phone melting and stuff was like weird. Oh yes, cool, I like know, the too. phone melting. I think that's a really cool touch. That you know, it's just like literally melting off into his hand. It is nice, but it is like really, you know, really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, what did, what do you think about the uh, the body horror effects in this? The the you know the different effects that happen to the scanners when they use their power. Um. Well, for the most part, it's, it's well, just like rabbit. I'd say it's you know really really tame outside of like the head explosion and then the at the very end where we get to see like the veins like kind of bulging and uh veil kind of like falling apart uh you know i, I there's not really much going on there i mean because the body horror part of like them being scanned is just them fucking sitting there at doing their best epileptic seizure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's you know, um, it's fine. Like you know, I, I, there's nothing again. Like with this, there's I would say there's like nothing outstanding about it. You know, the, the film kind of loses its head of steam after that explosion. It's like setting you up for something the film is not mm-hmm. until you get to the end, and even at the end, it's not like you know. Rick and Morty Cronenberg world. You don't, you know, you don't get to see that. Yeah, I think uh, the uh, I I like the effects for the most part. Like I like the, the like the especially in the last scene with all the pulsing veins and stuff. Especially like with Vale's veins as they're kind of like pulsing out of his skin, where you see like the veins actually bleeding from his skin. It's pretty cool because it's like you know they're forcing. It's almost like the you know he's forcing the blood to pump so hard. That his veins actually stand out and start bleeding through the skin. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool. Um, I like, you know, I obviously I like the the bladder effects that they use on the face too, especially with Michael Ironside, because Michael Ironside has a very unique looking face as it is, and um, you know, more, they, they, looking, more interesting looking hair at the time. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, and they they, they put these bladder, uh, you know, skin effects on him, and. You know, they pump him up, and then, you know, they kind of, like, swell out of his face. It's re- it's really cool thing that they had going on with these special effects, practical effects, that I like a lot. Um, and then later on, the the really cool effect that they did that I think stands out is the um, the burned body. You know, so it's it's actually, so it's Vale's body that's been burned to, a, basically, to, a, like, a, a pulpy crisp. And I think it looks really good. Um, it's very cool, uh, very, like sticky looking <laughs> for lack of a better term and i think they did a really good job with that one too um so i think like you know this isn't i wouldn't say that scanners is cronenberg's like um epitome of body horror because it really is a lot more science fiction than it is horror um but it does have some pretty cool effects to it that i think work really well um and actually we didn't talk about the ending at all what do you what do you think about the ending the conclusion as uh, talking about the the burnt body of Vale, you know, Kim comes in, sees Vale burnt on the ground, but then realizes, hey, wait, the 
veil, the, the entity, whatever you can sense as a scanner, is still among them. And she looks in the corner, and there's, you know, Michael Ironside, but it's Vale speaking. What do you think about that? It, it's it's fine, because I mean it has that, like that traditional like and fit, um, which is kind of that that whole ending is kind of like that. Even though, from what we kind of gather, it, where it goes isn't that you know unreasonable the whole you know brother angle being family that dr ruth you know is you know the reason he knows so much about scanners is because the drug that he invented with his company helped create them and after he sold it off you know he's been studying scanners to kind of try to whether it be a tone or try to just learn more about what he created I'm fine with all of that, mm-hmm. and so I'm fine with like that kind of conclusion of after they get into their tele- telepathic battle, uh, that you know, because the film sets up basically, you know, when you, the difference between like how we think of telepathy and what they do is like the con- the connecting of the nervous system, and we kind of get to see that too earlier on with uh, Kim Overs' group. Where they're sitting down, there's like seven of them, and they're having, you know, kind of having a mind melding, and it's just that, a mind melding, kind of like uh, something from Evangelion, the whole idea of trying to unite into one consciousness, because, you know, we get to, as they're melding together, we get to hear them, you know, their thoughts and feelings, you know, about how they're scared, or how this is interesting, and how, or like, or how powerful this can be, is all going from one consciousness and then all receiving it like as is in totality as like being one experience Mm -hmm. so this ending with that being said you know the conclusion of after this massive battle between these scanners you know mentally and how strong they are because you know they're the original two who probably were exposed to the drug the most that this would be like something that could possibly happen where you know one's consciousness may become attached to another after, you know, a scanning. Right. So, yeah. I think it's I a, it was fine. I think it's a cool idea, you know, that you could switch, you know, that, and it's something that really isn't explored throughout the movie until that final scene, you know, that you can actually switch places with the person that you're connecting your nervous system to. I think it's a, it's an interesting idea. And, um, I like I, I've never seen the sequels. Um, I've never seen Scanners two, so I don't know if they like explore that later on seen, in those. Have you seen Scanners Cop? Scanner Cop. Um, yeah. Nope, I haven't seen Scanner Cop either. But I am curious to see: do they, you know, do do they go into like the things that Scanners? ends with or is it just basically more scanners you know more of the same uh with the sequel but um what do you think of the music because like i said before it kind of has like a discordant element to it and i think it has a pretty cool like little um theme that's pretty uh pretty pretty grim at times like it's a very um i don't know melancholy soundtrack to it um, it's it's kind of mixed uh, the soundtrack to be honest with you because I think at times where it's more focused on that like uh, early eighties late seventies style synth, you know, simple drone, 
and some simple you know drum beats like a carpenter s score mm-hmm. it works really well and is off you know and often used during the scannings to kind of give up more heightened tension between what's going on however that being said they have like times where you got like these like farty trumpets playing and like orchestral like music you know kind of like swellings and such I think that's which, what I'm talking which about when don't, I say, I say the discordant elements to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but I mean, like that to me, like you know, is very. Uh, it's an incredible juxtaposition, which you know shouldn't really even be there to begin with. Because see, I like them both. I think that the discordant elements are really nice, and then again, I also really enjoy like the synth element to it too. Um, I think that it's, you know. I think they both add something to it. I really like the the actual theme itself, though, which is like the synth score, and it plays at the end of the movie too, as we get the the credits that roll through, like as though they're on the terminal, which I thought was a nice touch too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do like the I like both of them. I do think that the the uh, the actual theme synth theme is underutilized and should probably be more recognized, you know, as like a, a theme that people recognize because i think it's really good um yeah um anything else that i didn't uh prompt you on not that i could think of yeah um i think that was pretty much it that's that's those are all the things i wanted to talk about um all right so we got to give scanners a rating so um on a scale of zero to ten um, pilfered French fries. What would you give Scanners? I give it a seven. I think it's okay. Like it's definitely much more enjoyable than Rabbit. The concept's very good. I do like the idea of the telepaths and this more nuanced idea of them. You know, not just reading minds, but connecting nervous systems to experience. You know their thoughts feelings emotions pains etc it's a novel it's a very it's a very good idea um i just don't think it's like the best executed overall because i think overall everyone in this film outside of Mike, michael ironside is uh kind of a drag very boring also the guy that played dr ruth is uh, all i was thinking of the entire time like, oh you got orson welles on set that's delightful mm-hmm. it's not orson welles wouldn't that be great if it was Orson Welles? I know, right? Uh, but like it's, a, it's like it's a good idea. I just think it kind of meanders a little too much. The whole idea of having the whole idea of having like this, you know, private corporation as a backing. You know, uh, I I don't really know where Cronenberg's kind of going with that. That's supposed to, you know, be like a slight critique on capitalism or, you know, critique on pharmaceutical companies. Not really sure on that one. But, I mean, like, again, like, the, the whole thing that kind of holds this film together and makes it enjoyable, I would say, is, like, the ideas itself. I will say, from the few Cronenberg films I've, set, I've seen, his writing and his ideas are, they are strong. I think just like his cold calculus and how he kind of goes about filming things and how he has his actors kind of play roles is very, you know, it's very jarring because there's 
There's not little emotion, l no real warmth from anybody, and it makes it kind of hard to kind of get invested into anything. And Lax like, too. Like, we didn't talk about. Yeah, Lax. Lax has Steve, really. Go yeah, ahead. Stephen Lack as Cameron Vale, as we both joked on our own, like, oh, Stephen Lack's playing Cameron Vale. Well, isn't he lacking at acting? Like, because he is like a glorified plank of a board <laughs> and you know it, it, it's it's sad because again like an idea like this you should be emotionally invested into the characters and you're not at least i'm not I, like i i couldn't give a shit like you know i think the engagements they get into or you know or what they are but like was i invest like did i care a single second about their fates no mm -hmm. because like when you have cameron vale being like what you're my brother Oh my god! You know it's, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know it's it's hard to get invested, and so at this rate, the reason why like Jeff, you know, the fly is so great because you have Jeff Goldblum's char charisma to carry the whole thing. But I mean, so I mean, like again, I think I think it is good. It's a seven, you know, so it's it's C plus. But I mean, I I don't I don't. As good of an idea as it is, I don't think it's that well executed, but it is a very watchable film. I don't know how you would walk away from the sink like fucking masterpiece. Like this is horror, body horror, ma masterpiece. Because like I said, we we don't really even get to experience that much body horror outside of the head explosion and the ending. The rest of it's kind of just them sitting there twitching for like they drank too much coffee mm -hmm. from. Uh, from their local Tim Hortons. Yeah, I mean, I would probably I, I'm going to give this an eight. I think it is a I I really enjoy it. I think that it does have a slow burn to it, and I think that perhaps it could have done a better job of dropping the exposition on us gradually throughout the film instead of doing it right at the end. Um, I do find the the idea of scanners really interesting. Um, I find the idea that it's a drug that causes it, you know, it's man-made, it's a drug that causes it, and intentional in some cases. Um, I think that's really interesting too. Um, and I like the the idea of, uh, you know, a company <laughs> um, that is doing this because, hey, we, we certainly have those almost evil companies <laughs> around uh, right now. Um, but I, I think that like the, all of those things add up to a really interesting idea and um, ultimately I think that it does a pretty good job of doing these these ideas and, and making them play out. I think it maybe get a, it gets a little too long in the middle portion um, where you really want them to move on with it and just get to Revic. And the face off I think could have been you know more gradual than it's just like, hey, here's Revic um, face off at the end of the movie. Um, but other than that, I think it has a really good score. I really like the score. I really like the, the special effects work, especially the, like the facial and body horror elements to it, which are pretty few and far between, but when they do happen, I think they did a really good job with those. And, um, you know, ultimately I think if you're interested in like, uh, science research, um, you know, the idea that people could be manufacturing drugs and kind of giving them to people without knowing what they truly do then I think Scanners is a movie for you. And that's why I like it. And it definitely has more of a science fiction element to it than, than horror, like what Cronenberg might be um, most known for. 
but I do think he did a pretty good job. And it's definitely a step up from some of his earlier works. Like, you know, this is this is definitely a higher quality, bigger budget than um, Rabbit or Shivers. So you didn't uh, say so you didn't give it a numerical rating. Yeah, I said eight out of ten. Oh, sorry. You missed it. Sorry. Yeah, eight out of ten. My bad. All right, so that uh, that does it for our our episode on scanners. Um, next, I can't wait to get the. I was gonna say I can't wait to get the angry. Uh, angry the mail. Uh, yeah, angry mail. People are about like, hey, how, like you gave scanners a seven, you piece of shit. <laughs> you really? I you, I'm seriously at this point, like I said, like I'm finding a hard time having finding appeal in Cronenberg. Like f- sitting down, and be like, "This guy's a genius." Mm. Besides the fly. Besides the fly, because Rabbit was m- incredibly mediocre. This wasn't mediocre. It's a step above, but I mean, it's still very blasé. Mm-hmm. So, so just not not appealing to you right now. Well, you know what? We still have uh, Video Drone to come. Which well, is one of my what? favorite Cronenbergs. Well, as I said, it's another film that I've heard a lot about, just never seen. So mm-hmm. let's see if this disappoints. <laughs> but that's not next. Next up is a Craven movie. We're doing Deadly Friend. I don't know if you've seen anything about Deadly Friend. I have not seen Deadly Friend. No, you probably haven't seen Deadly Friend, but have you seen <laughs> oh. anything about Deadly Friend? Because there's a no. pretty iconic scene. I won't even. I'm not even going to tell you. There's a pretty iconic scene, and you'll know it when you see it, probably. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, Deadly Friend is next up for the show. When Going back to Creepy. Uh, oh, the 86. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of funny too because um, around that time, I believe Craven did both Deadly Blessing and Deadly Friend. Get them kind of confused. Yeah, he did Deadly Blessing. Deadly Blessing 81, right? Yep. Yeah. So, you got Deadly Blessing, and then a few years later, Deadly Friend. What made you want to choose Deadly Friend? Because of the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Thought it would be fun. So, I think it'll be be a fun time. It'll be one of those those movies that that we uh, have fun talking about. All right, so you'll definitely want to check out our episode. Thanks for listening to us as we uh, talk about um, uh, scanners and kind of give it some shit here and there, especially from Martin. I'm send sorry. the send the send the mad comments to him. Um, but so next time we're gonna do uh, Deadly Friend, and you'll want to catch that. So subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. We're on. Um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, home base at anchor.fm or Good Pods, pretty much everything. Uh, subscribe there and leave us a review. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us there. Just search Blood Black Rum Podcast. We're um, on Patreon as well where you can donate to us. Um, we appreciate that. Put it back towards beer. It's patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. And finally, you can write to us at our email address, Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear us cover for movies for next time and we'll take that into consideration thanks for listening to Craven some Cronenberg uh, the series that we're doing all Halloween long I uh, hope to see you back for our deadly friend episode and until then take care <laughs>